Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, certified religious transition and trauma recovery coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. It feels good to be back recording after our trip to Cancun. And I am so excited for the lineup of everything that's coming. Today, today's a little funny. I feel like I opened up more questions than got answers. We ended last week with a podcast on the Holy Ghost, and we've been talking about intuition, and we've been talking about different facets of that, and we were talking about the Holy Ghost, and I was explaining how intuition is often described in very similar terms to the Holy Ghost, but there were a couple of terms that um, intuition doesn't use, but something called an elevation emotion does use that is very similar to how people describe the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this podcast on elevation. And we're going to really dig into what elevation is and understand it and be able to get that experience outside of religion if it's something that we still want to have. So I felt like I knew a lot already about the emotion of elevation. It's something that I studied pretty deeply right after leaving religion because I I was fully expecting to lose what I had come to know as the Holy Ghost. As we were preparing to leave religion, I had been told that the Holy Ghost was a gift that I had because I was a member of the church, and yet there were so many things that were going against my values And there were several emotional experiences I was having that felt really toxic to my emotional health and to my mental health that I was prepared to give up these really beautiful, ecstatic, transcendent experiences in order to repair my mental health and my emotional health because I was told that that was the price. And I still remember a couple of days after sitting down with our bishop and telling him that we were going to step away for a while because that was our initial plan. Our initial plan was things are not okay here. We're feeling a lot of cognitive dissonance. We didn't have that word for it at the time, but we're feeling a lot of cognitive dissonance. It's highly emotionally and mentally uncomfortable, and I feel angry a lot, and I just need some time, I think, away from the organization so I can sort out my thoughts and figure out what I want. And we had talked with our bishop and told him exactly where we were and what we were going to do so that our responsibilities that we had been covering at church could be covered by other people. So they could release us from our calling is what it's called in Mormonism. You are given volunteer opportunities. Everybody has a job and we were fulfilling our jobs but we didn't want to any longer. We wanted to step away from everything. And so we went to the bishop and told him that we would not be fulfilling those roles that we needed to be released and that he would need to call other people to fulfill those roles. Now, as we told him that we were going to step away, I remember leaving the building and feeling like 
you know, this might be the last time I feel the spirit like this. I could hear another congregation. We have several congregations that meet in our buildings often. I could hear another congregation having their main meeting and the music, uh, a song that I still love the melody to. I don't necessarily love the words anymore, but there was a song that I still love the melody to. And as the pianist was playing and the chords were building and then, you know, there's some dissonant chords that go in and the key changes and it's it just builds and it's beautiful. I remember having this beautiful opening experience and also just a deep sense of sadness all at the same time as I experienced this feeling in this church building one last time as we're getting ready to walk out the doors and I'm fully prepared to give this up forever, possibly. And we sat down to watch a movie. I want to say it was Gladiator, you guys. I don't remember which movie it was, but I remember it was a movie that I wouldn't expect to have any kind of Holy Ghost feelings from. I wouldn't expect to have any sort of feelings of elevation, elation, or ecstasy. I want to say it was Gladiator. In fact, I'm pretty sure they were fighting a fight in the big gladiatorial ring in Rome. And the music is really, really intense and it's changing and they're working together as a team and they come out victorious against all odds. And I had the Holy Ghost feeling and I thought to myself, what is this? (laughs) I was not expecting to feel this ever again, but I'm feeling it as I'm watching this bloody show about a gladiator taking back his power and fighting against injustice. And I just remember this swelling feeling and this feeling of hope and power and excitement about what lay ahead and what was possible. And I know it had everything to do with, you know, visual manipulation and with musical manipulation and storytelling. And yet I learned a lot in that moment about what was possible. I got that glimpse of hope and of purpose and of possibility that I wasn't going to be left in the dark and that there was still a lot of life ahead of me left to live. And It was at that point that I started getting curious about, okay, if I can have the Holy Ghost experience after I have told a bishop I am leaving, I'm stepping away because I feel like I'm being poisoned at church and I need to figure that out. And if I can have a Holy Ghost experience watching a movie I was told was not appropriate for people who wanted to be godly, it was rated R. I didn't watch rated R movies up to that point. And if I could have a Holy Ghost experience while watching Gladiator, then what was I actually experiencing? Because at that point, I realized I don't think this is the Holy Ghost, at least the way the Holy Ghost was explained to me. This has to be something that's maybe more universal than I have ever thought it to be. And that's when I learned about the emotion of elevation. And I watched everything that I could watch on it. And basically, the emotion of elevation is what we feel when we see others performing acts of heroism or morality. It's also when we feel that rush of emotion when music builds or we're being creative or we hold a newborn baby or we're in the middle of war. 
and we are relying on other people to work together as a team and keep us safe. It's also the feeling we feel sometimes when we're in a crowded football stadium and our team is running for the end zone and it's the bottom of the last quarter and they have a few seconds on the clock and you know we're all just cheering for them and we're all united and wanting for them to get that last touchdown. It's that feeling we get when we're in a business meeting where they tell us the future vision for the company and our part in it. There are so many different ways we feel this emotion. I have felt this emotion laying on the ground in the woods, looking up at the stars through the pine trees. I've felt this emotion when I've been painting. I've felt this emotion when I've been holding my child's hand. In fact, I just felt this emotion like 30 minutes ago when I dropped my high schooler off at band for the first time. And I looked back at him and really just was struck by the deep connection I feel with him and my sense of pride in him and how grateful I am that he's in my life and I have this experience to be his mother. So there's so many different things that can bring us this sense of elevated emotion. As I was studying elevated emotion, though, one of the things I noticed is that elevation is only talked about in very specific ways. However, there were related articles and academic journals and YouTube videos and podcasts that talked about things like self-transcendence and peak experiences and flow and collective consciousness. And as I was really delving into these things, as I was researching, not only was I really clarifying what this elevation was all about and how it benefits us and why we crave it so much. But also, I opened up a whole bunch of rabbit holes that I did not go down. There was not enough time to study all of these things. There were so many different branches of this that I could have studied. But for right now, I just really wanted to cover the basics of what that feeling is. When you were in church and everyone was singing a hymn together and your heart just felt like it burst wide open, or when you were receiving some sort of blessing or prayer said over you and you felt that feeling. I know that when I was a wedding photographer, I was in a prayer circle with one of the brides that I was taking pictures of and all of her best friends and her sisters and her aunts and her mother and her grandmother and her great-grandmother were all gathered around her and they all had their hands somewhere on her shoulders or her head or her body and they were all praying over her one at a time talking about what they hoped for her future and what a light she had been in their lives and how much they loved her and how accepted she was and how supported she was. And I'm sitting there taking pictures and I'm having this huge elevated experience because it was something that was meaningful to me. I was sitting there and I was learning and expanding outside of my current knowledge base. I had never seen women give a blessing to another woman. I had never seen sisterhood in action in that way. And it was beautiful to me. But I've also had that same feeling 
watching a dog take care of a litter of kittens. And I've had that same feeling watching a random person help an older gentleman across the street that had a walker and directing traffic and making sure he got across and then walking with him all the way into a meeting. There are so many different things that I've seen that have brought this elevated emotion, this feeling of connectivity with humanity, this feeling of being outside of myself and part of something greater. And it has honestly been in these moments I felt my most creative, my most connected, my most purposeful, my most driven, my most clear, and also my most calm and peaceful and present. It feels like in those moments, anxiety and worries and cares just sort of slip away and you're in this moment and you're present and you feel at peace. And you also feel like there's something big for you in the future, some purpose that you're here to meet. For thousands of years, humans have been seeking after these experiences. We have written evidence of different tribes of people using certain kinds of dance or music or meditation or even drugs in order to achieve this sense of transcendence. Because what it does is it brings us out of our ordinary minds. It actually takes us out of our isolated sense of self and makes us really connected. And as I was looking about transcendence, as I was trying to understand better what transcendence was, I was realizing that there were several ways that I would seek after this in religion that I've now replaced with things that are not religious. Because like I said, it really is a place where I can find creativity and inspiration and connection and a sense of purpose and value. And I just wanted to talk about a couple of them. So so transcendence is often closely linked with religion. We often think of transcendence and religion being almost the same thing or spirituality and transcendence being almost the same thing. But we also see this in magic and the occult and also the use of psychotropic drugs. So magic mushrooms or derivatives of that. The Native Americans have been using psychotropic drugs for spiritual enlightenment for years. They've been using it as a way to elevate the mind, as a way to get out of this sometimes bogged down place that we're in and elevate and get that bird's eye view of life and where we're at and where we want to go next. But since leaving religion and honestly, since being a little bit wary of spiritual places, I've noticed that I get these same benefits from nature, walking in the woods, looking at the clouds, listening to the wind through the pine trees, getting my hands in the dirt, feeling the sunshine on my skin. I also get these same feelings and benefits when I'm listening to music of all kinds. In fact, one of the most spiritual experiences I ever had after leaving religion happened in a huge arena full of people for the Love Loud Festival back in 2017. I was sitting there with my kids. We were at the festival all day long 
And we had been having beautiful discussions with people around us, and we had been listening to the music and the speakers. There were several people that spoke about LGBTQIA issues, and we were having discussions, my boys and I. And then it came time for Imagine Dragons to come on the stage. And I was not a huge Imagine Dragons fan. It's not like I was feeling euphoric because I followed this band and I loved their music. But we had already had a beautiful and connective experience. And then as it got dark, Imagine Dragons came out on the stage and they were singing music that everyone around us knew. We knew a couple of the songs, but everyone around us knew the music. And they were all singing along to the music. And you could tell that a lot of people in the stadium, these songs had great meaning to them. And people were singing so loud. And we all had these wristbands on. And as they were singing, not only was the music swelling, and that alone was a transcendent experience, but we all had these wristbands that were color-coordinated. And you were seeing these huge waves of colored light and just this whole display that we were a part of. And it really was a transcendent experience where I felt completely elevated. I was no longer just an individual. I wasn't just a mom sitting there with my two kids listening to music. I was a part of a whole. I was a part of something bigger. I was honestly feeling nothing but good things for every person in that arena, which feels ridiculous to me to say because one of my pet peeves is when someone used to stand up at the podium and say, you know, I love all of you. And I would think to myself, how can you love us? You don't even know us. And I don't think that you actually can love people without knowing them. But I now understand that that feeling of transcendence is sort of a sense of just a general goodwill towards your fellow man. And I was feeling that in this arena. And what's crazy is my kids were feeling it as well. They will still talk about that experience to this day. And just what a deeply moving experience it was. For me, I just felt an overwhelming sense of love and connection. And it was so relieving to realize I didn't necessarily have to believe that that came from God or from some higher power, that I could just experience that regardless, that I could experience it no matter what my spiritual status was at the time. And at the time, I was opposed to anything that felt spiritual or mystical or any of it. I only wanted science at the time. Now I'm opening up a little bit more to what other people believe. I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about it all, but I'm at least opening up to it and kind of allowing myself to try things on and see if anything fits or if it doesn't. Another time that people often talk about transcendence is near-death experiences, and this includes childbirth. Anytime that we are brought close to our life possibly ending, we have a moment of clarity of just how precious life is and how grateful we are for our relationships mixed along with all of the other emotions of possibly fear or whatever else. But many people who report near-death experiences have a moment of clarity, of calm, of peace, and of gratitude and feeling connected to other people. Creativity. People who engage in dance 
art, music, poetry, writing of any kind will often feel that euphoric feeling and that feeling of connection and purpose as they're creating something that comes from deep within them. And I was just talking with one of my doctors this past month. He was talking about how he went to Cancun as well. And he talked about going into one of the cenotes with his wife. And as they descended into the cenote, he said a ray of light was shining down from this hole in the ceiling that they were descending down. And he said it illuminated the whole cave and there was aqua blue water below them and it took his breath away. And he said, I got goosebumps. My heart felt like it just wanted to pop out of my chest. And he said, I was so awestruck by the beauty and just with gratitude that I got to be there. So when we see something that is particularly beautiful, it can be a scene in nature, but it can also be another human being or a piece of art or listening to a piece of music. There's something about beauty. There's something about connectivity. There's something about our relationships. There's something about art and creativity and how fragile our lives are that can all bring us to this transcendent or elevated place. This isn't something that just happens in religions. Now, just like we talked about last week, I'm not saying that transcendence in religion is bad. I'm not saying that transcendence outside is better. What I am saying, though, is that when transcendence is taught that that euphoric feeling is only available to you if you are in a certain religion And if you have to be obedient to a certain God or a certain set of authorities, if there are shame or fear messages attached like there were for me, remember, I was afraid I was going to lose these transcendent experiences because I was leaving the religion. And I had been taught that that was the only place that I would have access to these transcendent experiences. And so if you're taught those things, this can be very traumatic. It can be part of your trauma story because we yearn for these transcendent experiences. These experiences expand us and help us get to know ourselves better, help us connect with other humans, and we as humans are wired for connection. We are wired to be a part of the whole. In fact, I was reading through a lot of Jonathan Haidt's work. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a social psychologist and he studies a lot about how we connect together. And I got plugged into his work after reading the book Sapiens. And Sapiens talks a lot about the role of religion and how it helped us to cooperate and how it helped us to get to where we are today. Because we had a common idea to rally around, it allowed us to mutually cooperate with one another instead of just looking out for our own individual needs and to actually become more interconnected and to look out for the group's needs. And it became something that helped us to grow and to thrive and actually promoted our survival. In fact, Darwin even says that natural selection isn't something that only happens on an individual level. There is also such a thing as group selection. 
And so in group selection, basically what happens is the groups that are the most cohesive, the groups that can socially cooperate, the groups that can quell their selfish needs for the good of others, those that can be altruistic, those that can engage in cooperation and can give and take for the benefit of the entire group are going to be much more powerful and much more likely to survive and thrive than those who are little individualistic islands. So in some ways, these transcendent experiences allowed us to do that probably before religion was even ever created. These transcendent experiences made us feel connected to one another, connected to something higher than ourselves, gave us a sense of purpose, and made us want to give and take with other humans for the survival of the species. Now, religion comes along and co-ops transcendence because transcendence is a great way to get us to look out for the group and help the group even more. And the more we're giving and helping in the group, the stronger the group becomes, the more powerful it becomes, and the more resources we bring in and the better it is for everyone in the group. But this also leads to tribalism. In fact, if you look around today, you can still see that many people are brought together around a specific belief or specific value system, often called religion, but sometimes called politics or sometimes called nationalism. And we have friction along those lines. It's where we're divided by those different ideologies and by those different tribalisms where we begin to have conflict. While transcendence can be a beautiful thing in our lives, it can also, if we're not aware, can be a point of conflict. It can give us an us versus them sort of a mentality where we only feel connected to people who are like us. We only feel connected to people who are in our homogenous group. So that is something to be aware of. But this transcendence was co-opted by religion as a way to make the group more cohesive and to help us get along with one another. And at some point, according to Darwin and according to Jonathan Haidt's research, really did help us to survive and thrive as a species and get to this place where we are the dominant species on the planet and we have evolved so much and have so much technology and cooperation and a lot of our global market that we have today has to do with this transcendent feeling and this ability to interconnect with one another. Now something that I found that was really crazy is that we all experience these transcendent or peak experiences differently based on our previous conditioning. So, for instance, when I was part of a monotheistic religion, as well as anyone else who's been part of a monotheistic religion and indoctrinated to believe that there is one God, when I would have a peak experience or I would have a transcendent experience or a feeling of elevation, I would attribute that feeling to God. That was what God felt like in my life. And this is common across people who believe in monotheism. They've done so many studies and they've found that people who believe in monotheistic religions believe that that feeling is God. That is God's voice speaking to them. 
That feeling of elevation, that feeling of self-transcendence, that peak experience is God talking to their heart or their soul. However, people who consider themselves spiritual but irreligious have a tendency when they have those peak experiences or transcendent experiences to feel just unity with the world around them. So they have a tendency to interpret that as interconnectivity with everything and everyone else here on the planet, whereas people who've been raised in monotheistic religions go immediately to a connection with God. So our previous programming has a lot to do with how we interpret transcendence. And so this is really what I want to get to in this podcast. I think when it comes to transcendence, what we're really wanting to do as we're seeking after these experiences, however we do that, we want to get curious with the stories that we have about that. We want to get curious with the beliefs that we have about what those experiences mean and remain open-minded and ask questions and allow ourselves to think outside of the box. Let's get curious with that and ask ourselves what we believe these stories mean. And is there anything else these stories could mean? Is there anything else these elevated feelings or these experiences could mean? And allow ourselves to just continue to open up, to continue to open our hearts, open our minds to additional information, other meanings, other possibilities, and get curious with how that story about what we're interpreting it to mean, how does it affect our lives? How does it affect our treatment of other people? How does it affect our direction in life? How does it affect the way we treat the planet? How we treat our resources, our personal resources in our life? How do we interpret that as far as what we're capable of doing in our lives and what we're capable of being or becoming. These transcendent experiences can absolutely help us grow and have a wide, elevated, uplifted sense of hope and purpose and direction and peace and calm, which study after study after study have shown is so good for our mental and emotional well-being. But if you are recovering from religious trauma and these kinds of experiences were what kept you in your religion, even when you were having cognitive dissonance, if you were feeling like things were wrong in your religion, but you were staying because you had these elevated experiences and because you had these transcendent experiences, this can be something that's really traumatic. Understand that It doesn't necessarily have to be God speaking to you. It can just be an emotion that we get to enjoy that can help us be present and feel connected and loving towards the world and to everyone in the world, that we can reframe what those experiences mean. That often when we feel what felt like the God feeling in religion that while that can be very triggering as we're deconstructing, that we can recognize that and we can reframe. It does not have to be the God feeling. It can be 
something else that supports you. And that gets to be okay. I think the last thing I want to end with is Maslow. You'll hear me talk about Maslow a lot. He talked about his hierarchy of needs. And right above self-actualization, towards the end of his career, he really focused in on transcendence. He said that if we're aiming for self-actualization, we needed to have transcendent or peak experiences. And he said that peak experiences are rare, but the more of them that we could have, the more self-assurance and self-worth and peace and calm, direction, connection that we would have. He said that as we step out of our comfort zone, as we imagine the self that we're trying to become and we try to show up as that person, that we would have more and more of these peak experiences. He said that we first start off by shedding the things that are holding us back from our true selves. And I know many of us listening to this podcast are in that place. We're shedding dogma, we're shedding indoctrination, we're shedding shame, we're shedding fear, we're sometimes shedding old relationships that have been toxic, we're finding our voice again, we're shedding the belief that we're not supposed to have emotions or needs or take up space, we're shedding misogyny, we're shedding ableism, we're shedding racism, we're shedding so many different things. We're shedding homophobia. As we're shedding those things, we get closer and closer to this thing that Maslow called self-actualization. And each time we practice stretching and showing up as the person that we want to be, this person that feels free of the childhood trauma, feels free of the religious indoctrination, feels free to think for themselves and show up as their full self, that we have more and more of these peak experiences. And as we have more of these peak experiences, we then begin to visualize what we want to do, where we want to go from here. And Maslow says that as we move further and further into that, that we open up the possibilities of our world and make it so that we can create whatever it is that we want. Now, I am not fully actualized. In fact, I only have small glimpses of self-actualization. But I can tell you that I have had more and more peak experiences that have nothing to do with religion. And it definitely has opened up my vision for what is possible and what I can add that is of value to the world, both in small ways and in big ways. And I believe that that can happen for all of us. So if you're at the beginning of shedding things that are standing in your way, limiting beliefs, stuffed emotions, old stories about your worth, your value, your place in the world, whether your needs will get met or not, whether you'll ever connect with a partner who can love you fully, as we shed those things, we're going to have more and more of these transcendent experiences. And as we have those experiences, we will be made aware of our potential and we'll have the sense of connection and drive and self-worth to make anything that we want in life possible for us. 
like I said, (laughs) we're at the end of, I feel like, not even a beginner's course in this. This is barely scratching the surface of what I was finding and all of the different rabbit holes I could have gone down. But I wanted you to understand what was happening emotionally whenever you were sitting in the pews of your church. Those feelings can have multiple different meanings. And if the old meaning isn't serving you anymore, you can reframe that meaning. And you are not doomed to a life without those euphoric experiences and those feelings of deep connection and purpose simply because you've left religion. There are many ways to recreate those experiences and allow yourself to open up and feel uplifted, feel hopeful and ecstatic and creative and purposeful. And I'm excited to see what becomes of this for all of us. We have available to us everything we need to live beautiful, joyful, fulfilled lives. And I'm so glad that we're on this journey together. Thank you for being willing to let me tell you what I've learned, talk about a few of my experiences, and to still be a student with you. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a fellow traveler on the path with you. I'm enjoying learning about all of these things right alongside you. And I hope that this podcast was meaningful and valuable for you. I know this topic can be a little bit nebulous and it still is for psychologists and for neuroscientists as well. Neuroscience is beginning to study what happens in our brain with transcendence and with peak experiences and with the emotion of elevation. But we don't have any conclusive evidence of anything yet. Isn't it such an exciting time to be alive, to be right in the middle of all of these innovations and all of these discoveries? Like, I'm really excited that we live right now when we do and that you and I are part of this process as we're trying to make sense of what religion is, how it's influenced our lives, how it's influenced humanity, how it's allowed us to survive and thrive as a human species and where we want to go from here both individually and collectively thank you for tuning in please don't hesitate to share this with someone that you feel like could get a lot out of it i appreciate everyone who's been sharing this podcast has been growing because of you And don't hesitate to join the Facebook group. It is getting more and more active. We've actually been talking a lot about anger over there lately. There have been things happening in the religious community that I left in Mormonism. And I just happened to be researching anger at the time. And so we've been having lots of discussions about anger over there, and we will be having some support groups. So if you're a questioning, nuanced, or ex-Mormon or post-Mormon that is listening to this, please head over to the Facebook group. We will be creating supportive resources for people who are trying to work through the anger, make sense of it, and figure out what they want to do with all of that energy, as well as there will be podcasts upcoming Obviously, if I'm researching it, there will be podcasts upcoming that are all about anger and not only what it is and how to deal with it, which is usually what we talk about. We talk about managing our anger, 
but about the benefits and how to harness anger in order to make it a huge source of fuel for creativity, for personal growth, and for healthier relationships. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you next Sunday.